Before we get into this week's episode, just wanted to take a moment to welcome you back after a couple of weeks off. Two weeks ago, we tried an experiment in a live Q&A episode and state of the podcast on Facebook Live. Due to some technical difficulties and low attendance, we considered that a failure. So we may try again here in the near future. And last week, you know what? As a one-man operation, when life happens, sometimes the podcast doesn't happen. And so here we are. We're back. We hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Find the Story podcast. You're listening to the Find the Story podcast, where we seek to build connection and community through empathy and vulnerability found in telling our personal stories. This week, I get to talk to my good friend, Mark LaBeouf. Spoiler alert, no relation to Shia. Mark had a pretty traumatic childhood and a pretty interesting relationship with the church. So let's listen in as we try to find the story. All right, let's try this again. Welcome to Find the Story. I'm sitting here with my friend, Mark LaBeouf. Hey, Lance. Hello, Mark. Um, it's an interesting story, and I think a, probably a fun place to start, which would be, uh, how did we meet? We met at First Baptist Church of Ellisville. Yes. When I was doing a sound system upgrade for your church. Yes, and so this is one of those funny, I am a sucker for salespeople, um, and so I'm a salesperson's best friend. But uh, there was something about the relationship that we've built that is not just, I believe, and I hope it comes out in some of these stories a little bit, but um, I believe goes beyond just a, a salesperson client relationship or account manager client relationship. Oh, I agree 100%. Okay, here. good. I was just making sure it wasn't a one-sided <laughs> thing that I'm feeling this way. <laughs> no, not um, at all. But anyway, uh, before we really get into anything, how's Shia? Uh, Shia is well. Uh, okay. Most people don't know that he is my younger brother. Okay. And uh, I've taught him everything he knows. Yeah. Um, which is, this is exactly <laughs> how this is going to go. There's going to be a lot of sarcasm because, of course, Shia LaBeouf has nothing to do with Mark LaBeouf, spelled differently. Although you were just telling me they uh, that that only happened a couple generations ago. Yeah. Uh, my name last name used to be spelled exactly the same as Shia's is. And about two generations ago, my part of the family decided to change the spelling of my last name so that it would be easier to pronounce. And they did a really, really bad job of that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's <laughs> not any better or At any all. easier to, yeah. to so. yeah. But apparently they knew what was coming and shy and decided to distance themselves Absolutely. from that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, of course. Good. Um, well, then let's talk about your family then. Tell us where you grew up, uh, parents, siblings, all of those things. Sure. I grew up in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and a suburb of Tulsa called Broken Arrow. Uh, the, the great Kristen Chenoweth? Yes. As a matter of fact, uh, my company did the sound system for the Kristen Chenoweth Performing Arts Center, yes. which is in Broken Arrow. I've heard it, and it sounds amazing. You did oh, a that's wonderful, right. Yeah, yes, yeah, that's you've done right. a wonderful I, job. As a matter of fact, I flew you there. Yeah, you did. Uh, <laughs> to hear... Sorry, this is going to we're this is probably going to be two or three episodes, too, which is the problem of talking with friends. But when we were there, that was you had told us that we were coming to listen to like a kid's camp or theater camp or something like that. I'm like, yeah, right. fine. Well, let's do we're out of season. We'll come listen to a theater camp. Little did any of us know that it was Kristen Chenoweth's Broadway boot camp where she and uh, three other Tony Award winners or whoever, you know, all of these people would be at. And I got a free Broadway review. And I well. honestly did not know that's what it was going to be either. That's maybe the best surprise that I've ever encountered in my life. It that was, was it was pretty bananas. Anyway, yeah. your family. Sorry. Uh, well, 
uh, I often uh, crouch the story of my childhood uh, with uh, by by saying, uh, first of all, I would call my childhood interesting. Okay. And uh, the look on your face, people can't see the look on your face when you say that, but I think they could probably hear it in the inflection. And uh, I always tell people uh, when I talk about my childhood that uh, I use, I just uh, say it this way, that my life was saved by a box of rocks. Okay. So I'll. This, this is a story to tell. Yes, I'll explain that. Okay. Uh, when I was really young, I knew that uh, my mother was ill. I didn't really know what that illness was uh, as a as a young child. Uh, when I turned seven, uh, my mother had a, a pretty major episode and ended up in the hospital for about three months. Wow! And uh, we finally got a definition of what her illness was, and it was schizophrenia. Mm. And uh, so, uh, at seven years old, uh, I was an only child, and uh, so at least we had an idea of, of what the issue was and uh, what, what we had to deal with. Uh, my father uh, was, well, let me back up and say this. Dealing with a person who has a chronic mental illness can be challenging. Understatement. And some people rise well to the challenge and other people do not rise mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. to the challenge. Uh, my father, unfortunately, was a person who did not rise well uh, to that challenge. They remained married, uh, but my father had a very difficult time dealing with my mom's illness. And so he took a job uh, as as a salesperson, as a manufacturer's representative for a company that made uh, camping trailers. Okay. And uh, so he was on the road and was only home uh, about two weekends a month. And so really at seven, I became my mom's caregiver. Wow. Okay. So, so what, uh, what was happening the three months she was in the hospital then was I was living with my grandmother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for that three months and, and didn't really understand what was going on. Now I will say this as a side note, uh, back in that time. And this was, this is a long time ago. This was 1965. Okay. Uh, so in 1965, the way they treated that sort of thing was mm. pumping you full of a lot of drugs and mm-hmm. an electroshock therapy. Excellent. Yes, which erased most of her memory. So she didn't know who we were, where she lived, any of that, that sort of stuff. So that came back, came back over time. Um, However, it was probably good that my dad was gone uh, because when he was home, uh, he, uh, he and my mother fought a lot because he didn't know how to, how to handle it, how to, how to react and uh, how to nurture her. Uh, He uh, did not ever take it out on her physically. Uh, unfortunately he saved that for me. Good times. So it started when I was about three years old, put me in the hospital, then continued until I was about 16 and was finally big enough to, uh, to stand up for myself. Wow. And so if, uh, you know, admittedly it was a, it was a challenging childhood. Now the bright side of this is, uh, we had a family friend and uh, the family friend uh, saw that perhaps we needed a little stability in our lives mm-hmm. and invited us to Arrow Heights Baptist Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Uh, I was apprehensive about going. How old were you at this point? Seven, just a okay. little bit. Yeah, yeah. About to turn eight. Okay. And uh, because I was told I was going to Sunday school and mm-hmm. I was 
told that my Sunday school teacher was going to be a man. Now, at the time, I was terrified of all adult men because I thought all adult men were yeah. like my father because that's really the only adult man. No surprise there are trust around. issues there. So um, I, I was, was nervous about it. Um, I, I had a hobby at the time that I was really just totally involved in, and that was collecting rocks. And um, so I had this, you know, I would spend hours at a time out in fields around my house, yep. digging around and trying to find fossils and all of that. And I had a box in my uh, closet that was full of all my, my prized rocks. Well, when I got to my new Sunday school class, and this is certainly what you would call a God thing, mm-hmm. uh, my Sunday school teacher, whose name was Otis, uh, happened to be a geologist for an oil company. Wow. And so uh, each week when he was out on drilling sites, he actually took the time to uh, to look for rocks for me, and he would bring them to Sunday school. That's amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. And uh, so I, I thought, you know, this man hung the moon. And uh, so he would give me rocks each week, and I would, would put that in my collection, in my box of rocks, mm-hmm. which, which sat in my closet. And uh, so I found in uh, the people of Arrow Heights Baptist Church, I found a different family, a new family. And right. Wonderful, loving people that nurtured me and, uh, you know, helped me in my, my journey and to deal with the things that I was dealing with. And really, the church became, at that point, became my entire life. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I excelled there. I made great friendships there. Uh, it was one of those deals where uh, I was involved with everything that was going on was there every time the doors were open. Uh, as a, a teenager in the youth group, when it, you know— Came time for Youth Sunday and all of that. I was either the one leading music or preaching and uh, and those sorts of things. Um, and uh, when I was a junior in high school, I felt that God was calling me into the ministry, okay. surrendered to the ministry at that time, Yep. and went on to Oklahoma Baptist University and uh, attended Southwestern Seminary and uh, spent, spent a lot of years in the ministry, both full-time and part-time. Yeah, let's let's come back to that in a minute cuz that okay. I know that that takes us on on de- on a definite journey too and there's there's a lot of things in that. Um as we one of one of the things that I think has become the norm on here and people recognize is my passion and and nerd, how I nerd out on assessments and things. You have you taken any of the personality assessments, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram? Uh no, because I'm afraid that if I did that probably put me on 72 hour lockup, but uh. yeah, that if, if there, if there is a personality that probably shouldn't be, cause I don't know that you fit in any of the 16 per, or maybe all of the 16 personalities when it comes to Myers-Briggs. That Either that or some of my various personalities. That is true. Maybe the, you do have all category. of them just different. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense that, that I can relate to that. Um, <laughs> fair. Um, what then, so you, as a kid, you were, uh, you, you nerded out on rocks and things. What, uh, what motivates you? What are you passionate about these days? Well, um, I've spent the last, uh, as I mentioned, I was in the ministry full-time and part-time. I was mm-hmm. full-time for about 12 years, I think. And then I've been part-time uh, since then. Um, and uh, when I went part-time, I got involved in the AV industry, which is how I met right. you. And I've been, been doing that. For, Thankful for that. Uh, 27 years now. It's been a long time. And uh, so, you know, the things that I'm passionate about now are getting to work with 
clients like you and developing friendships and, and, and lifelong business relationships and just trying to do a really, really good job at what I do. And that is something that you do very well. Uh, greatly appreciate that because it is always nice for one of the things that we talked about that, that I've always prided myself on is as an informed consumer, right? That I try to be um, as intelligent as you are. So then when you're selling me a bill of goods, I can, I can check up on that. How are you <laughs> staying up on it? How, how do you these days, because technology moving so fast, the AV industry moving so fast, what are you doing to, to stay on top of that? I'm just, I'm learning at this point. Oh, well, from you. I mean, uh, you know, we, we go to the trade shows and mm -hmm. then we have all of our manufacturers representatives, which come by and visit us all the time to bring us up to date on new technology. But to be honest, it, it's going so fast. It's really, really difficult. Yeah. To yeah, yeah. With. So a, a church like ours, we come and you propose us one set of gear and then another church down the road that that set of gear is not going to make sense for and, and you go a different route um what does that process look like how do you how do you figure all that out with your team well uh we have an engineering staff and uh, the first thing we do when we come into a church is uh, we try to get to know the people there and who they are and what their blueprint for what they're doing is and uh, who where they want to go and, and all of those sorts of things and those are really the most important things. From a technology standpoint, we begin by, you know, building models of the room and, yep. and uh, you know, incorporating technology inside those models and trying to determine what, what the best plan is and the best design and that's going to meet their needs and, yeah. and then go from there. That's awesome. And so it is, as we draw the connections a little bit between your ministry background and working with churches. Churches isn't all you do either. There are some of the gigs that you've done that I would love to kind of tour someday too. <laughs> it, uh, Chris and Shenandoah Cedar being one of them, but um, the, there was a corporate place you did up north that was like a five eleven thousand seat auditorium or something on a corporate campus that would have been really fun to be a part of, but yeah. casinos, concert venues, all, stadiums all, and arenas. All sorts of different things. Uh, uh, Actually, when I got hired uh, in the AV industry, my first job, the reason they hired me is they thought I might be able to work well with churches. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. <laughs> and and as such, I've done over 200 house worship projects in, yeah. in the 27 years. But uh, the one that you're referring to is Epic Software mm -hmm. in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. And that's a, actually it's 14,000 seat auditorium that's it's five stories underground. It's a insane. crazy place. Uh, and then, uh, we did, uh, uh, Penn state university arena, mm -hmm. uh, last year I did a concert venue in New York city. And, uh, right now we're doing the Raiders new uh, football stadium. In oh, that's Las awesome. Vegas. Wow. That's uh, yeah. Definitely want to figure out a way I can there and, <laughs> and tour that one too. Um, so let's go back to the ministry thing then, because sure. as, uh, that is a thing that I think helps you when you're dealing with us from a AV and, and technology problem solving standpoint to figure out the needs of, right. You can, you relate to that, but your experience in, in the ministry, what is that? Well, it's uh, been both positive and obviously there's, you know, there's been, been no. some negatives too. I know it's shocking. everybody involved in church is just perfect. Well, it's funny you say that because I thought that mm -hmm. for a very, very long time. I had such a positive experience all through high school and in college. Yeah. Uh, I have so many friends from 
Oklahoma Baptist University that I still stay in touch with that are my dearest, uh, greatest friends. And I thought I had in my head, because it had been such a wonderful time in my life, both a challenging time, but a wonderful time in my life uh, there growing up in the church, is I had in my mindset as a 21-year-old graduating from college that this was going to be the easiest job in the world because everybody you worked with was going to be wonderful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So can I indulge you in a couple of stories? Let's hear it. <laughs> name name all the names. Let's let's no. hear it. <laughs> We're not going to name any names today. So you never the, know. They don't. They're not listening to uh, this. No, podcast. they probably are not. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the first church I went on staff at, which will remain nameless, that was a full time church. I'd mm-hmm. actually had two part time churches uh, while I was attending OBU. Okay. And your role in these churches was? Were music and youth director. Okay. So, um, and that's what I was at, at this church, was a small church, rural church in, in southern Oklahoma. And uh, I, I should have known, I mean, uh, my level of naivete was uh, just beyond belief, but I should have known I was in for a challenge when, uh, when I first met the pastor, and uh, he had a third grade education which could, I could have cared less about. But I had just graduated from college, and apparently this was an issue for him because I don't remember him ever referring to me by my actual name. He always called me college boy. Wow. Okay. So there's That's there's, respectful. That's respectful. There's yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So I had been there about six months, and uh, back in the day, and I don't know if churches still do this or not. I occasionally hear that they do. Uh it came time for football season, and during football season, you have fifth quarters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a thing also, that we still do. Still yeah. do, and yeah. you also have lock-ins. So I decided to combine uh, those two, and I was going to have a lock-in as a fifth quarter. Right. And uh, I was very, I, I was out to change the world. I was very passionate about what I was doing. And so this was going to be the greatest lock-in of any lock-in that had ever happened in all three. This does history. not surprise me one bit. <laughs> so, uh, and I think I used my entire budget for the year on this one event. So maybe planning wasn't my best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The budgeting and yeah. Okay. <laughs> those, those sorts Fair of things. Enough. But, uh, so we rented out the high school cafeteria and, uh, we, uh, we had uh, tons of food and, uh, movies. I hired a Christian rock band and I even hired a Christian magician, uh, which, by the way, uh, if you're curious what a Christian magician is, they still pull rabbits out of their hat. It's just that the rabbits have been baptized. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> So anyway. I, insert sound effect here. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we uh, I thought it was a very successful night. Uh, we had uh, about 170 kids spend the night and you're talking a rural small rural church uh our average attendance kids. on well, just was just right at a hundred yeah so we okay. had almost twice uh the uh, attendance of our church at this lock-in yep and uh now i had been told when i was hired uh there was a large african-american population in my church uh, or not in my church excuse me in my in the community yeah right and uh i was told that there was some racial tension but i thought this is 1981, yep. that all got taken care of about 15 years ago during the 60s. So there's there's no right. racism today. That's and it's ri- a church. It's a church. church yeah. That's ridiculous. Children of God. <laughs> so anyway, um, we had the lock-in. 
everything went great. I got home the next morning about eight o'clock or so and laid down and went to sleep. And I had not been asleep uh, maybe more than 15 minutes when the telephone rang. Mm -hmm. And it was the chairman of the youth committee. And he said, Mark, we're having an emergency meeting and I need you to come over right now. So I went, okay. And I hung up and I thought they are going to tell me that I am the single greatest youth minister. Yeah, it was amazing. How'd you do that? We've never had 170 people. No, this is, this is great. I, I thought that's what was going to happen. So I, uh, I went over to his house and I walked in and there was a circle of chairs in the middle of the living room with one vacant chair. Never a good sign. No, you could, if it were a movie, you would cue ominous music at, uh, at that point. So I sat down and nobody said anything for what seemed like forever and then finally, the chairman said, Mark, we've we've been discussing this this morning, and we need to tell you that we can't have any more events like this. And I went, well, why? I thought it, did, it went great. Yeah. Well, we, we just don't think it's the direction our youth ministry needs to go. And I probably asked why five times in a row, because I was naive, but I wasn't stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I knew there was something that they didn't want to tell me. And I thought maybe if I asked the same question enough times, finally somebody will tell me what's going on here. Yep, yep. And it was uh, the church secretary who finally spoke up okay. and said, uh, you know, Mark, we don't want them black kids coming to our church. They got their own church. Mm. They can go there. Now, in all fairness, I don't know if she used bad grammar or not when <laughs> she said that. Right. But I like to remember it with bad grammar yeah. because it helps me vilify her in my yeah, <laughs> and and it, I mean, there's good potential. It was maybe even worse than what you're giving her credit for, too. Well, I was pretty devastated yeah. uh, by that, uh, primarily because I, I I didn't. I was just shocked that, it, yeah. that people would react that way. It totally blew my mind. Yeah, and it was even growing up in Oklahoma and have it like I mean, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It just it it totally caught me by surprise. And if I can indulge you with one more story Please that do. only happened about three months after this. So I was uh, trying to recover from that shock, and I had a youth ensemble, vocal ensemble, okay. that I had put together at the church. And um, we had decided to go on tour. Now, of course, all this really meant was that I'd called all my friends that I just graduated yep. with who were music directors in their little churches all around and said, can we come sing for your Wednesday night dinner or what? what oh, yeah. I, I went on a few of those tours as a student. And yeah. Uh, it was great. Yeah. So um, we were planning for the tour and getting all ready for it. And as we were doing this, a lady and her son joined the church. And uh, the son was probably late 20s, but he had some developmental challenges and was mentally, emotionally, probably 10 or 11, 12 okay. years old, something like that. But the nicest guy, the greatest, a lot of fun to be around, great kid. And he came to all of our youth activities, and the kids embraced him. And they came to me one day, and for the sake of the story, we'll call him Bob. Mm -hmm. And they said, Mark, uh, we want Bob to go on the tour with us. Mm -hmm. Bob didn't sing or anything. What, What can we do? And so we decided to make him tour manager. Oh, awesome. And uh, I thought it was great, and I was so proud of them that they had come 100%. to me and had suggested this. and yeah. uh, Which you can take a little bit of credit for in instilling <laughs> those values in them. So I was, I was pretty pumped and excited about that. So we went on the tour, yep. 
and uh, it had all gone well. We were out three or four days, and uh, it was getting close to when it was going to be over, and we pulled into this little town in Texas, and I don't even remember which, which town it was now. But as we were pulling into town, a man in a pickup truck who was intoxicated uh, pulled out just directly in front of, us, in front of us as we were going down the road, and I T-boned him. Now, he wasn't hurt, and none of the kids in the van were hurt, mm-hmm. but the van was disabled. Push the radiator up into the engine. Yep. It wouldn't, wouldn't go anymore. So we went on to the church and, uh, and sang, but this is before there were cell phones mm-hmm. and, yep. um, and that, that sort of thing. And uh, so uh, I got to the church uh, that we were singing at, picked up a telephone and called the pastor of the church. Mm-hmm. And I told him what had happened, and I asked him if he would call uh, the uh, all the parents mm-hmm. and tell them what would happen, explain to them that nobody's hurt, everybody's fine. Uh, the church here has an extra van that they are going to loan us. Wow. And we're going to pile in that van tomorrow morning, and we're going to come come back to the church. Well, that was on a Saturday. Uh, the next day was Sunday. So we sang at the church. We hopped in the van and came back. What actually ended up happening is the pastor didn't call any of the parents. Good for him. And he got in the pulpit on Sunday morning and said, and and this is what I've people have quoted him yeah, as, yeah, as saying, yeah. and said uh, and told them that we had been in an accident. Didn't really provide any more detail than that. So we just need to be got, praying for them. Yeah, we uh, got, yeah. got uh-huh. parents that uh-huh. are, are in the middle of um, you know freaking out. And then he said, "And let me tell you right now that this is the last time that we're going to allow a moron to go on, ch- <laughs> on church trips as a sponsor." Okay. Now this this guy's mother was sitting in the congregation when huh. when he said this. And uh, so that was kind of the last straw for me, and, and I, I ended up leaving there. Now, so you're saying people in church are not all perfect, is what you're saying. I discovered that to be true. So I, I like to use the visual of a pendulum because there is an equilibrium in there someplace of healthy, you know, organizational health. People are not all perfect and people aren't all evil. It appears to me you swung the pendulum too far the other way, though. I I did okay, bit. and it because that's not even like a healthy medium. No, that's that's, uh, that's pretty okay. about as dysfunctional as you can you can get, and it uh, you know to be honest, it really messed with me for for I, a lo- for a long time as it should. And uh, so I went on from there, uh, went went to two other churches in which I was was full time, and to be you know as I look back on it now, that's been forty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I. I understand now that, that the church is just flawed people. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes they do things which just are really not Christ-like at all. Right. And uh, I can understand that now. Back then, I didn't understand that yeah. as, as yeah, well. Yeah. And I really ended up uh, getting kind of a chip on my shoulder. And okay. uh, how do I describe it? I would say that it um, that I started looking for the worst mm, mm-hmm. in yeah. in situations and in people, and I discovered pretty quickly that if you are looking for a fight, it's pretty easy to find one. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I found myself in multiple situations from that point on 
that I probably didn't deal with very well. And, um, you know, it led me down, uh, and I'm not blaming this all on those incidents, but um, it it certainly uh, maybe brought out, I mean, I, I had grown up with some ugly things, and I think it, it brought out the ugliness in me. And, uh, you know, I ended up leaving the ministry mm-hmm. uh, full-time and um, decided to do uh, another profession. And, uh, you know, uh, I was behaving in such a way by the end there that it was it was a good choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I was was gone. Wow, that I'm not even sure where like because <laughs> that is having been tangentially. I mean, I've been attending the same church since I was eight years old, very close to all the staff through all of those years, even from being eight. My mom's relationships and things through that of um, being aware of many of those issues, going through a church split, and seeing some of the ugliest side of of church as well carrying quite of my quite my own chip for a while that's um i it probably doesn't surprise me that you know that would lead you to that place in life as well um because the i would say the turnover in 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 church leadership and um pastors leaving the the ministry i mean right now you just see culturally the amount of really big name pastors who are uh, either leaving their churches voluntarily or involuntarily for a variety of reasons. Um, just the types of infighting. And as I'm a member of the Southern Baptist convention, a lot of infighting there is just, you, you made the statement earlier. It's, uh, I forget exactly how you said it, but it, it is just, it's people, people. I, when you walked in, I had opened my paper on original sin, which is, you know, there's, there's something to, um, our, our nature, um, in, in that too. So, the there's a awesome I believe it's a Spurgeon quote of there is no perfect church and if there was it would be spoiled upon me walking in it so so absolutely fascinating conversation all right so um that's your your ministry story um how tell us more about kind of family life kids all of that well I have a son mm-hmm. uh, he uh, in my opinion is the single greatest living human being in, in the world. Tell us a little bit more about that, because I won't disagree with you, and I don't think anyone can disagree with you when you talk about his credentials. Well, uh, he, uh, he uh, you know, did very well in high school, uh, academically, uh, went on to Baylor University, where he graduated. Which for many people who are listening to this, that's good enough. We can just stop there. He went to Baylor, <laughs> and that means he hung the moon. So, uh, Well, yeah. good. Yeah. Baylor is a good school. Yeah. I, I think I personally paid for their new stadium. But <laughs> Yeah, Fair it's, enough. Yeah, it's, it's a great school, and he graduated from there uh, as the outstanding with 4.0 as the outstanding graduating senior uh, in the entire university. Mm-hmm. And I still have that framed in, that's amazing. in my office. That's on the commencement deal. And uh, he stayed there and got his master's degree and his PhD. And uh, he now teaches at uh, the University of Maine in the Honors College uh, there. Um, widely published uh, lectures all over the world. I can't keep up with what city he's in. On In what area of study? In religion, psychology of religion. Hmm. So uh, yeah. that's his main area. You were a big focus. influence on that, I'm sure. Well, either good or bad, I don't know. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> but, but I imagine that led him, may have influenced that path. Yeah, so, certainly. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you mind talking about... Uh, 
the rest of family and relationships and things like that? Sure. Um, uh, I have a stepdaughter. Uh, her name is Chase, and she's a wonderful human being. Uh, my my first marriage ended in divorce mm-hmm. when I left the, the ministry. Got married. Were again. those two closely related? They or? were closely okay. related. Yeah. Um, the uh, I got married again. Her name was Kathy. We were married for about 15 years. Lost her to cancer three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, Chase is battling the same cancer that took her mother. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And uh, so we're yeah, that's dealing a, with that. Yeah. And that... Dealing with that is certainly, um, yeah, I, I appreciate you, you mentioning that because I, I, I didn't want to force any of the stories and anything, but I, I do, having been close to you for several years and having met Kathy and when I was there in Tulsa for the first project, um, definitely uh, have been thinking about you much since, since then that. and things. And yeah. so, so plenty of stories and defining moments through that and um, appreciate the vulnerability and all of that. And uh in this case, then, what does the future hold for Mr. Mark LaBeouf? Well, that's a good question. I'm only about five years away from retirement. I'm in my 60s now. Okay. And uh, so uh, what I think I'm going to do after retirement is uh, volunteer with Habitat for Humanity. Oh, cool. I figure if, it, uh, if, it's, if it's good enough for one of our ex-presidents, it's yeah, good right. enough for me. Yeah. And... Uh, so that's that's my plan at at this time. That's awesome. It, are you thinking as volunteer in like a leadership role, or what? What do you have in mind? You're just going out and building uh, houses. I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. I just want to awesome. go swing a hammer somewhere. Yeah. Well, if anybody's listening, I think there's uh, definitely ways for for you to serve in that. That is uh, a very honorable of you to to consider doing so. Well, let's dive into these uh, these 10 questions here that I have to ask everybody, beginning with, what is your favorite word or phrase? Hmm. Hey, uh, my name is Zatigo Montoyo. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That's yes. probably my favorite. We probably don't even need to explain that to anyone. Uh, and if you don't know what that means, I wouldn't mind if you just stopped listening to the podcast altogether. Uh, what is your least favorite word or phrase? Oh, this is so easy. I cannot stand the phrase, everything happens for a reason. Ooh, tell us more. Let's dive into that a little bit. Well, uh, you know, with the original stories, I, and and, <laughs> and we could be here for days. Of course. Uh, talking uh, about all of this sort of stuff. But, you know, those events in my life uh, really made me look at and, and question a lot of the uh, uh my beliefs and my theology. Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. I will be honest in that uh, over this last 40 years, uh, a lot of those things have in- incrementally uh, gone in a, in a different direction. Mm-hmm, right. Um, and uh, so uh, when it, when it comes to the whole concept of, of prayer and the will of God, um, I probably err more on the belief that a lot of things just happen because we live in a, a messed up world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, there's uh, I, I don't, I'm not a person who looks for the meaning and the concept of uh, some incredible master plan that I'm not capable of understanding. Yep, yep. And I just try to deal with what happens in life day by day and, and, and let God's grace just take care of. Uh, definitely that appreciate that. Yeah. We, 
There is definitely a couple of weeks worth of conversation in, you know, the theology of God's will and and all of that. Um, interesting, though, I do want to uh, you you said something earlier about the box of rocks being um, uh, a God thing. Mm-hmm. How do you connect the dots between um, a, a God thing and and what I would consider God's provision in that as well to kind of the idea of not everything or everything happens for a reason? Well, what do you mean are, by those? Well, that's a really Good question, and a really involved yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, question. So, uh, uh, gosh, I guess I would say that uh, uh, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I like to think of it as a uh, as God's provision in my life at that time, at being a serendipitous uh, kind of thing. Uh, I don't, I don't really know, and I don't, not sure that I will understand. On, the side of the grave, uh, how all of that, uh, works. Uh, you know, I had the things that I now think and believe, but, um, I'm glad that it, it turned out that way. Yep. And I thank God for it. And I still deal with life as it comes. Yeah. And that (laughs) in a hundred percent in that, and that is like I said, the theology of God's will and all of those things. How do I know that I'm in God's will and all of that? is something that I don't, I personally don't have good answers for either. And, and if people claim they do, then um, there, there's way more scholarly wisdom in there in them than, than there is in, in me, because um, the, the idea of God's provision being something that is directing us and we have no control over it to the idea of considered free will and the things that, that we do separate from him and how all of that comes together is there's a reason God is transcendent above all of us and, and things that we just plain don't need to understand or life would look very different for, for everyone. So appreciate your, your perspective on that. Um, what trait do you most admire in others? Um, I admire uh, compassion and empathy mm-hmm. and being a decent human being. Uh, really, it's that simple. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I could definitely see how that has progressed through the the stories you were telling us from your yeah. early, you know, exposure to to certain people. What trait do you most deplore in others? Uh, a lack of compassion and empathy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and no, not being sense. a decent human being. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty fair. Much. I'll take that. Uh, what talent would you most like to have? I would like to be able to act as well as my younger brother Shia LaBeouf. Oh yes. Just do it. <laughs> Somebody Google that because that's a, a really entertaining series. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, I often uh, thought when I was young that I really wanted to be an architect. Okay. I liked Same. to draw and, uh, you know, I would design little things. And, and I thought that I really wanted to do that. However, in my profession now, I deal with architects on a almost daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I really don't like any of them. <laughs> well, you could have been one of those. One I of those. could have been yeah. one of those people, but yeah. then people wouldn't, wouldn't like me. Not that. Maybe you would have been a good one <laughs> that, that could get along with everybody. And uh, you, in architecture school, they, you, there's must be a class yeah, yeah. on how to be difficult. To get along with. <laughs> it is funny because my, my dad was an engineer by trade and architects and engineers, architects like to make things look pretty. They don't care how they're built. Mm-hmm. Engineers have to care about how they built and they don't care how they look. Right. That's exactly. the typical, you know, uh, stereotype. But I also wanted to be an architect. And my dad and I had this interesting relationship with uh, kind of furniture building and things. We had a wood shop that I now have most of. Um, 
And so I would design these pieces and he would say that will never work. But then we we would kind of try to work together and figure out how to do it. And it was it was an entertaining uh, relationship of me trying to design this really, you know, artistic looking thing and him saying that 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 will fall over the minute we put it together. And it was really fun. Well, see, that is probably where your ability to work well with others came from. You're assuming I have the ability to work well with others. <laughs> I have seen it. This, okay, fair so. enough. Um, which actually, you you told me earlier, you also also are getting ready to build a new house. Is, are you getting like your hands dirty in some of that, or are you just kind of going with the plans that the builder has? Or uh, no, actually, I, uh, I I sat down and kind of sketched it out. I'm working with one of those architect people. Yeah, that I was yeah, just one of those about yeah. on actually developing the plans. Uh, I, I didn't have a lot of skill uh, on doing home type stuff until maybe 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I can read about this and just try it a few times, yeah. I can probably figure out how to do it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of it that I'm going to be cocky and say I've gotten pretty good at. Yeah, sure. So uh, Kathy and I built a house 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I did... Um, all the electrical in that, laid all the flooring, did all the tile work, Wow! did all the painting. And so uh, this is going to be a very hands-on uh, project in building. This, wow, that's this awesome. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, what profession would you least like to do? Hmm. Uh, be in the ministry full-time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Didn't work out so well for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Um, it says the guy who's getting ready to plant a church. Yes. Uh, what is your greatest fear? Um. Well, I'm, you know, I started to be smart, Alec, but uh, let me see no. if I can. No, let me see if I can come up with something that is legitimate. Uh, I would say my greatest fear is is not resolving things with people mm. the way that they ought to be resolved, leaving things unresolved yeah, 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 with yeah, people. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I haven't you, done it. I haven't always done a good job of that in my life. I don't know I'm, anyone who has, frankly. And but. I'm, you know, I'm hoping to do better as I get older. Yeah, that's uh, not that I have. That you're much setting up time all sorts of like <laughs> other potential episodes. We could dive into a lot of these topics and just spend a great amount of time on them. Um, who is God? Um, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very fair. Uh, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear Morgan Freeman say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Uh, that you're not nearly as funny as you think you are, but I'm glad you're here. I'm going to disagree with him. <laughs> um, on, on the funny part, not on the, I, I am glad you're here. I won't disagree with that part. I'm, no. I'm glad you will be there if uh, all of those things too. This is Yeah. I need to avoid that. Uh, what advice would you give to 20 year old you? Oh, this could be interesting. Oh gosh. The, the kid who had his first experience in full-time ministry. Yeah. 20 ish year old. 21, I think was, uh, that, uh, well, just that, uh, people are flawed and, uh, that don't get better. Mm, Good word. And I think that is a perfect word to, to end on. So thank you, Mark, for hanging out for a little while. I appreciate the invitation. I've definitely been looking forward to this for a while. So, so thanks for listening. And thank you to M.F. Bolton for the soundtrack to find the story. I'm your host, Lance Leonard, and I'll see you next week. Hey, before you go, I need a favor. Will you share this episode with your friends and family? Tell them what you learned by listening to the story. 
subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. And most importantly, join the Find the Story community on Facebook. We've created a private Facebook group where you can ask questions, tell your own story, or even give feedback on our show. And if you feel so inclined, would you support us on patreon.com to help us grow this community beyond our existing network?